From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Washington Watch. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition this afternoon, the House Freedom Caucus stopped the House Republican leadership in its tracks when they torched an effort by the GOP to advance several messaging bills, including the Save Our Gas Stoves measure. On this vote, the yeas are 206, the nays are 220. The resolution is not adopted. That was, that was Speaker Pro Tem John Molinaire earlier this afternoon saying the vote failed. Well, what was behind this conservative revolt? One of the House Freedom Caucus members joins us in just a moment, Montana Congressman Matt Rosendale. Here's a question for you. Is ESG investing good for the investor? Well, that was one of the questions the House Oversight and Accountability Committee attempted to answer in a hearing on Capitol Hill today. ESD is being utilized in an attempt to rewrite the fabric of America with, unfortunately, woke policies that deliver nothing but higher prices, fewer market choices, cultural oppression, not to mention jeopardizing returns on, on investments for retirees and regular Americans. That was Texas Congressman Pat Fallon. We'll be joined by another member of the committee, Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Michigan. True or false? We're about fighting and winning on battlefields. Uh, and we're all about readiness. Uh, we're all about readiness now and readiness in the future and modernization. Uh, I think the accusations of woke are, are, are grossly over-exaggerated. Oh, really? That was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley. We're going to talk about that with Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. By the way, I think it's a false statement. And last night, the Louisiana State Senate approved the bill we've been discussing, which would protect minors from experimental surgeries. This isn't complicated. Kids should not have access to permanent medical procedures in order to affirm an identity they might outgrow. That was State Senator Jeremy Stein last night. The measure is now on its way to Governor John Bell Edwards. So if Louisiana is your home, your work is not yet done. Uh, there um, is good reason to believe that the governor will not sign the bill and could possibly veto it. Gene Mills, president of Louisiana Forum, is here with an update on the bill and what you need to do if you live in Louisiana. But first, it was 79 years ago that the largest amphibious military assault in history was launched to liberate France and later Western Europe from Nazi Germany. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips, invoking thy help to our efforts. That was President Franklin D. Roosevelt, 79 years ago, leading the nation in prayer. Well, a lot has changed in those 79 years, but our need as a nation to pray to God has not. We need leaders, once again, who are not ashamed to call upon the name of the Lord. And our role is to be those who will pray ourselves, will vote and support those who will lead our nation in calling upon the Lord, and then yielding to his word and his way. Now, quite frankly, this should be at the forefront of our thinking as we move into the 2024 election cycle, because the world has become very dangerous and volatile once again. We need the Lord. Well, our word for today comes from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 5. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Now, Nehemiah had been praying over the dire situation in Jerusalem, and the opportunity came for him to present a solution to the king. Nehemiah would go and help. But as a servant, all he had to lay on the table before the king was the capital that he had built through faithful service. He said, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 19, the principle of faithful service and where it can lead. And he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in very little, have authority over 10 cities. 
Our future opportunities often depend upon our dedication to our present responsibilities. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. Well, earlier today, the simmering conservative unrest created by the bad debt ceiling bill boiled over as House Freedom Caucus members joined with Democrats in stopping a vote on the Save Our Gas Stoves bill the GOP was hoping to message on. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Matt Rosendale. He is a member of the House Freedom Caucus, the Veterans Affairs Committee, and the Committee on Natural Resources. He represents the 2nd Congressional District of Montana. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Always great to see you. Thanks for having me on again, Tony. It's good to be with you. All right, Congressman, explain what happened this afternoon on the House floor. Well, again, like many of these things, Tony, it started uh, a long time ago. Um, You witnessed as the House of Representatives was able to work together very closely, very hardly to, uh, to create the debt ceiling package that we passed about a month and a half ago, the Limit, Save, and Grow Act. And virtually everyone embraced that because it froze spending and it was able to claw back a bunch of the unspent funds that the Biden administration had so recklessly tried to put out. Uh, it called for a debt ceiling increase of $1.5 trillion or March 31st, whichever came first. But then it also had the component from H.R. 1 to make sure that we simulate our economy, not through government money, but through unleashing the uh, resource development that we can do right here in the United States uh, through increasing our domestic energy production, permitting pipelines, permitting export facilities, permitting the mining for critical minerals that we need so bad. And, and everyone worked together really hard to make sure that we could get that passed. But we also worked hard back in January to make sure that we had rules in place to restore regular order to Congress. And so now we've got a culmination of many things that has taken uh, uh, place over the last two weeks. And first, what we saw was instead of passing a debt ceiling bill that everyone had worked on, we had a debt ceiling bill that was reverted back to the days of old uh, negotiations behind closed doors where a half a dozen people made decisions that were going to impact everyone across the country. And that debt ceiling bill did not look anything like the one that we had passed in the House of Representatives originally. As a matter of fact, uh, it didn't have any of those clawback provisions. It provides 98 percent of the funding for the IRS uh, still. It uh, stripped out the student loan redistribution program. Uh, It was a, a catastrophe. And not only did it raise the debt ceiling, Tony, but it raised the debt ceiling to a date in time, which just so happens to be after the presidential election next year, so that no one had to have this discussion again uh, next year. And and so we know that that amount is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $4 trillion. But, but could be and more. probably closer to $5 trillion. Yeah, it could be more because there's no ceiling on it. There's no cap on it. Also, the bill advanced with a closed rule so that there could be no amendments on the House floor, which is something that was at the forefront of the discussion back in January, if I'm not mistaken. It was. We, we Again, when you look at the debate that took place during the Speaker's race, a lot of that really was to make sure we could restore regular order to the House and to be able to have debate, to offer amendments on the floor. And all of that has now started to continue to strip away. So what we saw today was a rule, and most folks don't understand that there's a rule that is presented in order to dictate how the bill will be handled or managed on the floor thereafter. And when the rule came through and it contained several pieces of legislation, not just a single piece of legislation, it was basically a closed rule again. Uh, and, and unfortunately, both of these pieces of legislation were going to be nothing more than messaging bills because by passing the debt ceiling bill last week, what happened is it stripped away any type of leverage that the Republicans in the House of Representatives had to really be sincere about passing other legislation. Our, our leverage is gone. And so these are messaging bills that were going to land over in the Senate well, to die a slow and quiet death. And so a, a rather large group of us got together 
and and brought the role down. So we let me ask you this: the... was, was that message received by the the House Republican leadership? I would certainly think that it would be. Uh, I have not had any conversations with anyone else uh, since that time. After we took our votes, most of us had other engagements that we had to take care of, other meetings that we had to take care of. And so we left the floor and, and went on to those meetings. And I imagine over the next few days, there will be some conversations that, I mean, about that, I, I, I was, regular order. I was watching. I mean, that, that was. It, it appeared that this was uh, this took the leadership by surprise. Sure, sure. So is this the way forward? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing, I, I haven't talked to you about this other than just now, but is this something that conservatives are prepared to do going forward until the House leadership returns to its previous agreement? I think that this is a, a discussion that we're going to have. What we saw last week was a coalition, a newly formed coalition of 165 Democrats and 149 Republicans that passed a debt ceiling deal that is harmful to the people across this nation. It is certainly harmful to the people across the state of Montana. And so what we did today was say we fought very hard to restore regular order back in January, and and we still have the ability to make sure that we bring it back to the House. So what's next in this? We we shall see. Uh, Again, I haven't had any conversations with anyone Tony, I was sent here to to, uh, provide good government. That was it. Uh, And and so everything that I do is not about messaging. It's not about publicity. It's about good policy. And and so everything that I focus on on a daily basis is to make sure that I support good policy, good government for the people across the state of Montana, and which translates into benefits for the whole country. Now, I understand there's there have been some meetings between the House Speaker and some Freedom Caucus members in the last 24 hours. H- have those produced? I mean, I would I would guess based upon today's vote that that did not produce positive out uh, positive results. I have not spoke with anyone who has had a conversation with Leader McCarthy, All right. Speaker McCarthy. Well, we are going to continue to monitor this uh, very, very closely. Congressman Matt Rosendale, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Tony. You have a great evening. God bless you. Well, folks, I I would say that uh, this is a part of the process. You know, back in January, everybody was frantic because it, uh, you know, went over a dozen rounds of voting for the speaker. And I said, hey, this is going to be a good process. And this is a part of the process, too. And, and I, I'm thankful for these conservatives who are bucking the party and they're saying, no, we had an agreement and we need to live by that agreement. And so they're willing to, to take the pressure, take the heat and exert their influence. And this is the way you do it. Now, it may be messy for a while, but I, again, I think the outcome will be good. I'm grateful. And, and by the way, you're responsible for sending men and women of conviction like Matt and others here who are willing to stand on principle. That's positive, right? It's positive. So thank you for being involved and continue to send men and women of principle here to our nation's capital and to our state legislatures. In fact, we're going to go to Louisiana next. We're going to be talking to Gene Mills about a measure to protect children that you leaned in and helped pass. So don't go away. We're going to give you an update on that next here on Washington Watch. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. 
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be giving guidance on specific specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. Welcome back to Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Glad to have you with us on this Tuesday. Hey, mark your calendars coming up September the 14th. uh, Sorry, September the 15th. You can come the 14th. We just won't be there yet. September the 15th through the 17th, we have our Pray Vote Stand Summit here in Washington, D.C. You'll be hearing from some of our nation's top leaders, political, cultural, Religious leaders will be here and be a part of the event, and you can be a part of the event as well. To find out more about how to register or what will be happening, go to prayvotestand.org. That's prayvotestand.org. We've been tracking Louisiana House Bill 648, known as the Stopping Harm Our Kids Act, and I'm pleased to let you know that the Louisiana State Senate approved the revived bill by a vote of 29 to 10 yesterday. I believe that was the vote. Uh, and it, uh, it actually passed with bipartisan support. Now, this uh, brings it to about 18 states that have passed these measures. In fact, uh, over the weekend in Texas, uh, Governor Abbott signed their version of the bill into law. And that, too, had Democratic support. See, people realize that this is, uh, this is a bridge too far that's being pushed. But here's the concern in Louisiana, and I know that's still my home. Uh, I commute back and forth, and that's my home. That's where I vote. That's where I live. Uh, we have a Democratic governor, John Bell Edwards, and uh, I doubt he'll sign this legislation. In fact, he may veto it. And here's the challenge. The legislature adjourns on Thursday, and so... There may be an effort to let the clock just kind of run out on this bill, keeping it from becoming law. That means the children in Louisiana will not be protected by, you know, from these purveyors of uh, these experimental surgeries and drugs. Well, joining me now to discuss what we can do to get this across the finish line is our good friend Gene Mills, president of the Louisiana Family Forum. Gene, welcome back to uh, the program. Good to see you. It's good to be with you, Tony. Appreciate the good work. Well, th- thank you, and congratulations on uh, reviving this bill. This is something that that's something that doesn't happen very often. I know from my time in the legislature there, and so the Senate, hearing from their constituents, uh, relieved the committee of its responsibilities, got the f- bill to the Senate floor, and passed it last night. Uh, you joined us Friday talking about that. I'm grateful for all those who are watching and listening that weighed in. But it's not over yet. Tell us where it goes from here. Well, it never seems to be over in Louisiana or when you're in the arena of politics. The question is, what do we do to maintain our due diligence 
you know, you got a lot of legislators who are weary. They've been in session for nearly 60 days now. They're ready to get home. They're grappling with budgetary and questions and differences of opinion as to how they're to spend surplus monies. We uh, respectfully suggested they return those surplus dollars to their rightful owners, the taxpayers. Uh, but to, to, to focus on this bill, House Bill 648, technically it's got a layover for a certain number of days. And Louisiana's constitution is unlike other states because Louisiana law and Louisiana in general is unlike other states. And so there's different methods depending upon when the bill hits his desk. It could hit as early as this afternoon, or it could transpire after the period with, with which the legislature is in session, and that would leave an indeterminate amount of time, either 10 days if it's within the legislative session, to 20 days for the governor to respond. So technically, the governor could run out the clock. He could say, I don't think there is a sentiment, and we're going to go the distance. We're not confident that that's where the governor is aiming. We think a gentle, respectful appeal to allow this measure to go into law, and you're right, mom and pop are angry nationally and statewide. Lawmakers have heard from them home districts throughout the state and around the nation, and they realize this issue is just simply not going away. So our call to action initially is to contact the governor, ask him to respectfully sign or allow this bill go into law, and then to contact your legislator and tell them we need a safety net in the event that the governor decides to veto 10 to 20 days from now or beyond, we need to be prepared to come back into a veto session and let him know that's just not where we're going to leave this. Yeah, I think that's important because when you look, as I just mentioned, Texas passed uh, a law protecting uh, young children, Alabama, the same thing. I'm, I'm a bit concerned that we may see you know, the medical industry, big pharma, who's become really kind of an enemy of the people, you know, wanting uh, Louisiana to be a sanctuary, quote unquote, for these mutilating procedures upon children. And, and, and as you said, politics in Louisiana are a little bit different than elsewhere. So the, the switchboard numbers, folks, I, I give you out these numbers. So if you live in Louisiana, take down these numbers uh, to call your state senator. We talked about this on Friday. It's uh, 225-342-2040. That's 225-342-2040. To contact your House member, it is 225-342-6945. And the message is real simple. You know, stay the course. If the governor vetoes this, come back in session and override the veto. But as Gene pointed out, the first step is to uh, respectfully contact the, uh, the governor and ask him to protect the children, allow this to become law, I, or, or even, I don't know, he could be as bold to ask that he would sign it, uh, but uh, contact him and, and ask him to protect Louisiana's children. Uh, Gene, do you have that number to the, uh, to the governor handy? We do have it posted on our website, Tony, and if anybody would, who's listening would go to the Louisiana Family Forum website. We have a call to action for those three specific calls and the Senate switchboard, the House switchboard, they're meeting now. With the governor, we have a few more minutes to communicate, and we're, we're doing that through a respectful email campaign. Okay, very good. And, and by the way, folks, that number uh, right there on your screen, 342-7015. That's 225-342-7015, the number to the governor. Uh, Gene Mills, always great to see you. Thanks so much for the excellent work there. And... Louisiana. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tony, and thank you for the assist on this. Uh, absolutely. Always happy to help. All right, Gene Mills. Uh, you know, these state policy councils, we've got about 40 of them around the country, and you hear from them on this program from time to time, but they're very important, extremely important. They do uh, what we do nationally, they do there in the state. In fact, uh, I started the Family Policy Council back when I was in the Louisiana Family Forum, back when I was in the legislature, and Gene's been running it for over 20 years doing a Excellent job. I think he's been running about 25 years. All right, when we come back, we're going to get an update from the House Oversight and Accountability Committee that was looking into the issue of ESG. Is that good for investors or is it putting their investments at risk? Congresswoman Lisa McLean joins us next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Lots more to come. 
Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. Well, today, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, which is a very, very busy committee. They're the same ones looking into the FBI. And uh, in fact, we'll be uh, voting later this week to hold the director of the FBI in contempt of Congress. Well, today, Uh, They had a a hearing into ESG and how it is affecting business and investments. That means you, if you've got retirement funds or other monies invested, is ESG beneficial to the investor? Well, join me now to talk about this and much more. Congresswoman Lisa McLean, she serves on uh, several committees, including the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, the House Armed Services Committee. She represents the 9th Congressional District of Michigan. Congresswoman McLean, welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you. All right, let's start with uh, today's hearing. Uh, I watched, uh, saw you uh, asking some questions uh, regarding ESG in terms of whether or not it is uh, good for the investor. So first, explain what ESG is, and then tell us what you found out today. Well, therein lies the problem is no one can give you a specific absolute definition of what ESG is. It's more of an idea. Um, I, I think the meaning is they want to make sure that funds are um, investing in green energy, clean energy, um, which is fine. If the if the the client wants to purchase a fund that is uh, ESG, whatever that means, then the client should have that decision. The issue is the fund managers should not use this as a political agenda and as a platform to push their agenda. The goal of the fund manager is actually to return on investment. And the issue that we have is this is all being done under the table, um, in the cloak of darkness, and it's not transparent, and they're not being honest, and therein lies the problem. So I asked a question today, which I thought was really interesting. If we replaced ESG, right, that all these funds had to be ESG compliant, I wonder, could we use that same fund for pro-life agenda? that all these funds had to be pro-life? I mean, my goodness gracious, I think the other side would absolutely come unglued. But it's the same thing, right? 
It's driving a social agenda. So who is behind this? Is this just a collaborative effort by the fund managers, or is there something more to this? Well, I, I think it's the collaborative efforts of the fund managers with the the the, le the liberals on the left trying to push their ideology, you know, and it's fear, right? Let's also not forget that a lot of European investors um, are investing into these mutual funds, and they have a very different investment objective than Americans. Not saying that's good or bad, it's just different. My issue with this whole agenda is just be transparent right. and save it with the um, ESG funds perform better. They don't. We have the data that shows they don't. Now, maybe your uh, uh, um, maybe your goal isn't performance. Maybe your goal is to invest in funds that have ESG. Okay, but that's the client's decision, not the fund manager's position. Uh, decision. So you're just saying the they should decision. know about it. You, you should know what you're investing in and what is making what's driving the decisions. Uh, pertaining to your investment. Uh, Congresswoman, I want to switch gears because another big issue before your committee, um, in fact, yesterday, uh, in fact, uh, yeah, yeah, it was yesterday that uh, Chairman Comer uh, had a chance to review the document from the FBI that they've been withholding from the committee. And then today he made these comments. Uh, clip number nine, please. This document is important. I've already proven that we are, are able to find these shell companies and these bank accounts that the president's son and brother were using. Now we have evidence of a similar scheme involving the president himself, and we need this evidence. Wow, that's pretty far-reaching, the president himself involved in this. What can we expect to find out here? Well, first of all, we need to see the document. And the entire committee needs to see the document. One, it's unclassified. Two, they've sat on it for three years. And when they brought it into committee, all they would let is the ranking member and Chairman Comer look at the document. And it was heavily redacted. And again, I would ask, what are you hiding? What is there to hide? I mean, if the it, it was while the president was vice president, he received a $5 million contribution, donation, I don't know, from a foreign uh, foreign national, from a, for, a foreign individual. Uh, we need to know what that was for. The American people deserve to know it. So if you have nothing to hide, it's an unclassified document. Why not let everyone see it? So what what we will do is we'll give um we'll give them the opportunity to to let the entire uh, committee see the document. Um, if they don't, then we'll hold them in contempt of Congress. Unfortunately, um, that's just something that we're going to have to do if they won't comply. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, Congress has oversight. You also control the purse strings. So I'm hopeful that if they're not responding, then, you know, maybe they just don't need their allowance. Maybe they don't need the, <laughs> the, the, the money. Congresswoman, always great to see you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us, Lisa. All right. Have a great night. You too. Uh, seriously, I mean, the Congress controls the purse. That's their role. And it's a part of the process. It's a part of the checks and balances. And so I, I think the Republicans need to be aggressive. And this is where the conservatives come in. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and also take a look at the woke military. Congresswoman Mike, Congressman Mike Johnson joins us after the break. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. 
Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free factual news stories, and commentaries, all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this uh, Tuesday. All right, a couple of uh, couple of items here. Just want to remind you, September 15th through the 17th will be the Pray Vote Stand Summit here in Washington, D.C., Make your plans now to join us. Registration is open. Simply go to prayvotestand.org. Also, um, some have asked, we, we talked about the, uh, the woke corporations uh, yesterday with Mike Huckabee, and Target is still uh, one that's uh, taking a big hit at stocks. Its, it's uh, stocks are dropping, and, and you can help them out. Um, <laughs> by not shopping there and sending the message to other work woke corporations. But we, we've got a, a petition that we're sending to Target, and you can sign that. Simply text the word Target, Target, to 67742. That's 67742, the word Target. Also, one final thing, for those of you who are on our journey uh, through the Bible, we are in the book of Nehemiah, and we have a, a new study guide for Nehemiah, Rebuilding a Nation. It's a 14-day study guide. It's a, great, uh, it's a great way to introduce people to our journey through the Bible. You can get a copy of that. Simply text Nehemiah. Text Nehemiah to 67742. And uh, by the way, I want to invite uh, those of you who may not have uh, heard about our Bible study. You can find out more every morning at 8.44 a.m. You can go to TonyPerkins.com. I do a devotional along with the daily Bible reading. So, again, you can find that at TonyPerkins.com or FRC.org slash Bible. All right, as we were discussing in the last segment, uh, Congressman James Comer, he is the chairman of the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, has laid the groundwork to move ahead with contempt charges for FBI Director Christopher Wray. Now, we've uh, seen a pattern of behavior from the Bureau that frequently leaves conservatives in the crosshairs, whether it's recruiting informants from inside churches, spying on American citizens, or failing to uphold strict fidelity to the law on the inside. Well, joining me now to discuss this, as well as our nation's military and the woke agenda that has infiltrated the military, is Congressman Mike Johnson. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee and its Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, as well as the House Armed Services Committee. He's part of the House leadership. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. Mike, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. 
Hey, Tony, great to see you as always. Thanks for all you're doing. Well, thank you for joining us today. All right, I want to play a clip uh, that uh, from yesterday. This was the ranking member on the Oversight Committee, uh, Raskin, uh, Jamie Raskin, um, responding to comments from the chairman. Clip number 10, please. Any Republican who describes himself or herself as pro-law enforcement um, will be in a very strange position to be holding the FBI director um, in contempt for doing his job. It's part of uh, a war on law enforcement that the GOP is engaged in, and I, I think it's sad. Mike Johnson, your response. I mean, it's almost comical. Jamie Raskin was a classmate of mine. We came into Congress together seven years ago. Um, he knows better than what he's saying. It's his party, of course, that worked so hard the last couple of years to defund the police, and that's what's given us the alarming crime rate in all these big blue cities that followed their advice. And now he's suggesting that it's somehow against law enforcement or against the rule of law for us to hold the FBI accountable. Tony, we have a serious problem. As you well know, the Department of Justice and the FBI is a division of DOJ, of course. Um, they, they are not working for all the people anymore. These agencies that we rely upon, these agencies that were designed to protect and serve the American people, are being turned against those very people, at least the ones that have different political viewpoints than the White House and the Democrats in power. And that is a, a, a crisis in a republic like ours because people are losing their faith in our system of justice itself. Now, you serve on the Judiciary Committee, which has oversight of the FBI. Now, it is actually the Oversight Committee that is investigating one of these documents regarding the Biden family. And so they're the ones that are pursuing uh, the uh, contempt charges if these documents are not delivered. Uh, where do you think that's going to go? Well, you know, they, they have not uh, been open about sharing with Congress this critical information. We have, as you know, the latest uh, page in this in this saga is that we have a, a, a credible whistleblower who has been an FBI informant for many years. And everyone acknowledges this person is, is a credible source. And they say that there is document, got documented evidence that President Biden himself was engaging in a in a scheme, an alleged, uh, you know, illegal uh, agreement to exchange policy decisions for monetary payments to he and his family. Now, we know there's already a pattern that's been shown that at least nine members of the Biden family have been paid millions of dollars by foreign nationals, some even involving the CCP, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party, some Chinese companies. Um, it's really serious stuff. And where it's going to lead, Tony, is ultimately if the FBI will not allow us to do our constitutional function, which is oversight uh, over these matters, we're going to have to hold those in charge accountable. And that may lead to a contempt charge. I think it probably will of FBI Director Christopher Wray, because he has he has shown no interest in uh, allowing us to uphold the rule of law. And instead, he's playing a political game in favor of one party. And we cannot allow that to go forward. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Congressman Johnson, but it seems like to me during the Trump administration that federal agencies were tripping over themselves to get documents to to Congress. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think one of the committees even uh, released private tax information uh, on the former president. So, I mean, I, I think the, the casual observer and even the trained eye that I think I have would say there's a double standard here. There is. And the casual observer includes many of my constituents and all of our constituents and all of our congressional districts. When I'm back home in my district, the fourth district of Louisiana, I hear this everywhere I go, Tony. People are so frustrated by what they're seeing. They're so disturbed by it because they want to know. They ask us every day who is going to be held accountable. It's not enough just to draw this out into the open and, and shine light on it. There have to be repercussions for this. Otherwise, these trends will continue. You cannot weaponize all the agencies of the federal government and expect that the people are going to trust that government. But, Tony, that's what the evidence that we're uncovering shows. So Without let's talk, let's talk yeah. about that accountability, because if you hold the director of the FBI in contempt, it would be the Department of Justice, I assume, that would do something with that. And they're not going to touch that. 
the, the, the really only power that the Congress has is the power of the purse. And I can right. see what Raskin is, is really setting the stage for. If you begin to pull the purse strings when it comes to the FBI and the Department of Justice, they're going to say the Republicans are defunding the police. Yeah, it's a joke. Now, now you've heard us talking openly about this very issue, remembering, of course, as you're noting here, we only have the majority. The Republicans only have the majority in one House of Congress right now. It is a slim majority, as everyone knows. So we don't have the authority, even if we did have both houses of Congress, to perp walk anybody. We don't have the ability to put people on trial, to indict them or anything. We can put the facts and on, on display for the American people. We can put uh, those individuals on trial in the court of public opinion. But beyond that, it's the purse strings. And so we're going to use the power of the purse. That's a, a critical function. The founders in their wisdom gave that ability to us. And it's an Article One function that we intend to use. And what does that mean in this case? Well, the FBI, for example, th their greatest item on their, on their wish list is this brand new mega headquarters they want to build that's going to cost north of you know $500 million by some estimates, a billion dollars. They're probably not going to get that funding if we have our say. Um, some of these junkets that higher up uh, top officials at the FBI get to take and fly to conferences in Hawaii and then, you know, overseas, they're probably not going to get that funding anymore. Because if they can't uphold the basic Bill of Rights, the basic constitutional freedoms and uphold the system of justice that they're required to do, you know, they don't deserve the precious treasure of the American people. And if, if they want to say that's defunding the police, they know that's nonsense. We are trying to get the FBI to heal the will of the people. Well, now, some of your colleagues up there on the other side of the aisle never let the truth get in the way of their statement. So, I mean, they may right. <laughs> make those comments. Exactly. But I want to go back to your other point about, look, the, 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 the courtroom of public opinion. And I don't want to... I don't want to sidestep the importance of that because this you're not going to get it from the media. We've already seen how the media is, you know, treating the two parties differently. I mean, the, the, the media has become a part of the left. That's their, yeah. uh, I mean, the propaganda wing of the left. So the outcome of this, and I'm going to say very blatantly, is that the American people, the conservative voter, needs to pay attention to this, and the, correct, the correction comes in the election, where you actually would have an executive uh, in position, a president, who will then use the executive powers to enforce the law and prosecute those who have violated the law. So this really should become a campaign issue. Absolutely right. And, you know, we're not doing this for partisan purposes. We're doing this because we have a constitutional responsibility to uphold the law, to maintain these institutions. So we can draw attention to it. We can use that power of the purse that we talked about, and we can change the laws. We're going to bring legislative reforms to make sure this stuff doesn't get out of control like this going forward, to do everything within our power. But at the end of the day, you're exactly right. The ultimate recourse that the people have and our government of by and for the people themselves is the ballot box. And we have to elect a, a president and majorities in both houses of Congress who understand how critical these foundations are. If we lose these foundations, the system of justice itself, Tony, we have no republic. And, and the stakes could not be any higher. I don't usually speak in terms of existential threats, but I can't imagine a bigger threat than this when the people just shrug their shoulders and say it doesn't matter anymore. We have a chance and, and you, we better vote those values and those principles or we're all going to be in big trouble. And folks, that's exactly what we say here. Pray, vote, stand. We've got to pray for this nation because it is in serious trouble. We need to vote our biblical values and then we need to stand for the truth no matter what. Um, Mike, I want to switch gears. For We just got about four minutes left. I, I want to go to another important committee that you serve on. You serve on the House Armed Services Committee. I want to play a clip from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Mark Milley. He was on uh, CNN with Jake Tapper. Clip number three. We're about fighting and winning on battlefields. Uh, and we're all about readiness. Uh, we're all about readiness now and readiness in the future and modernization. Uh, I think the accusations of woke are, are, are grossly over-exaggerated. Uh, your response to that? Listen, General Milley has appeared before us many times in the House Armed Services Committee. Uh, Secretary Austin has as well. We've asked these questions directly and under oath, and they continue to insist that there's no woke agenda in the military. Look, the, the facts, 
obviously show the opposite um, in the academies and you know amongst our forces and and what the Pentagon is pushing down the line. Uh, it, it all comports with the woke agenda. And you know they were allowing drag shows on military installations until about a week ago. We asked about that over and over. We pressed them on it. Finally, they tried to do it quietly. They, they issued some sort of order that, oh, this can no longer be allowed. But why was it ever allowed in the first place? I mean, um, the curriculum that's being taught at the academies is filled with this kind of stuff, CRT and the rest of it. And, and we know it's happening. We, we don't even need whistleblowers for this. We have men and women in uniform who you know, openly report what they're being taught and told. And so look, we, there's no place for it. It does affect readiness. It affects recruitment. The recruitment numbers are almost at record low levels right now. We're way below the numbers that we need to maintain our force. We we need to be adding more, not not missing our, our recruiting numbers and deadlines. And so all of that is contributing to the problem because you have a lot of young men and young women who do not want to sign up for this. They don't want to go and be indoctrinated. Many of them uh, want to serve their country and their their young patriots, but they don't want to be involved in this military we hear all along with this leadership. And so we've got to reform that. We have to get the military back to its critical mission of protecting the nation. This is a dangerous time. Our adversaries are empowered because they see weakness from the White House and and from those in charge. And and it's a, a serious, serious situation. So, again, remedied ultimately by an election uh, hiring an administration that understands uh, that we are going to secure this country through military strength, at least being able to show it. But in the meantime, I go back to the congressional purse, uh, because you hold the purse as Congress. The National Defense Authorization Act is going to be coming through the committee, and you're going to be determining uh, how this money is spent. Is this going to be an issue of discussion with military leaders once again? It, it will be, and it has been. And you know, you're right. We we are scheduled to mark the the NDAA up uh, in about two weeks and or less. And um, this is going to be a, a top issue of discussion. I can tell you, uh, the majority side and the NDAA, the Republicans, um, uh, have made this a top priority. We look. We're all deeply concerned about it because we hear the quiet complaints of the men and women who are wearing those uniforms who are asked to. Uh, say and do these things that they know are wrong and they don't believe in. And it's affecting the morale in the military. It's affecting ultimately what we're able to do in terms of national security and the defense of our country, because um, you can't have that kind of um, disarray, I guess is the best word, because they're pushing social and radical social leftist agendas in, in the military. It's, it's, it's a dangerous thing. It really, really is. It is. Congressman Mike Johnson, always great to have you on the program. Uh, you're a blessing to the country, and uh, we're grateful for your leadership on Capitol Hill. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate you so much. All right, Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana. All right, folks, you've got your uh, you got your marching orders for today. We've still for those in Louisiana, I need you to weigh in with your members of the legislature and the governor. House switchboard there in Louisiana, 225-342-6945. The Senate switchboard, 342-2040. Get them to make sure they will override the governor if he vetoes that law protecting minors from experimental surgeries. All right, until next time, I leave you with the encouraging word of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand. By all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.